Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Fire. This is the Pyro Podcast. This is show number 332. We are here in week 14, and this show we're calling the start of your championship dream in week 14. Not as per usual, D-Rex is not with us tonight. This is Houdini, and I'm over the Uber airwaves with Stag Party. How you doing, Stags? Good, man. I uh, had a great fantasy year, so I'm pretty happy. A uh, couple of days, you know, finishes in the regular season, a couple buys. Um, did well in my first dynasty league. Didn't do so well in a team that I tried to take over in a dynasty. But, you know, it's going to be a work in progress. So it's been a good year for me so far. Let's try to bring home those championships, though. Let's make that money. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and you know, this is the very important time of the year where, you know, you also got to pay a little bit, maybe more attention to some of the weather situations that are going on, uh, especially if it's more wind than anything else. But if there are going to be any torrential downpours or snowstorms, uh, those are something to be paying attention to. Also, very key is matchups and also looking for the very friendly, uh, favorable fantasy point production matchups. And this week is going to be interesting because, uh, we have some that are really good and, and some that are not necessarily as good. So uh, I guess without further ado, as always, if you're following along uh, on the schedule, we will be following the schedule under week 14 on NFL.com. And we, as always, will start with the Thursday night game. And as per usual, we start with the visiting team. And this Thursday, this is one of those not necessarily barn burners for fantasy production. We have the Jacksonville Jaguars heading to the Tennessee Titans. Uh, so what are our thoughts here? Is it Cody Kessler again? Uh, can we be – we at least have Leonard Fournette coming back, so I think there's some better signs here. But this is one of those games that kind of scares me if I'm really leaning on anyone for strong outputs this week with these two defenses. Yeah, preferably you're not. Uh, and it was probably going to be tough for you to make the playoffs if you had Leonard Fournette, but anything's possible. You could have acquired him, you know, midseason at a low price for a stretch run. Um, you know, looking at the game as a whole, though, the Jaguars haven't scored above 16 points in any game against Tennessee in the last two years. Um, they've been these real sort of drag them out fights and some of them have been on Thursday nights. So we've sort of seen this game happen before. You know, it's looking like it might rain there in Nashville. Um, So it's going to be a game that I'm pretty much off of everybody. I think you're still going ahead and you're starting Leonard Fournette. Uh, At quarterback, you are likely to see Cody Kessler. Um, And we didn't really see a rapport with any one weapon last week. We did see probably the most out of D.D. Westbrook, uh, but Keelan Cole has all but disappeared. Dante Moncrief, you know, didn't have a huge impact on the game. Um, And and at tight end, they've gone through so many injuries that they're nice and thin there now. So you're really avoiding the entire passing game, even though Tennessee, you know, can be beaten up by opposing – you know, passing games, and that's the real way you want to attack them, especially vertically down the field. Um, you, I, I think you're rolling out Leonard Fournette, and you're dead on avoiding everybody else. You got any objections? 
No, there, there's absolutely no objection because, you know, you just look at the production that these guys are giving you. When they give you a great week out of one of these receivers, you're getting 90 yards and a touchdown, right? You, there's no chance that anyone's getting 130 yards. Uh, more likely than not, on an average week, you're getting about 35 yards and four catches from these guys. Here, here's a stat that should tell you to run away from all these wide receivers. The leading receiver this year for the Jacksonville Jaguars is TJ Yeldon. I, I think that pretty much says it all. So uh, let's go ahead and flip it over to Tennessee. And uh, the thing to keep in mind here is we actually saw Marcus Mariota have a, a, a good performance last week, and now he's got a hand issue. So short week, you know, he's going to be iffy, and every time that he's been iffy, he's been bad. Yeah, I do agree about the iffiness. Um, that injury, you know, he sort of had knee or not knee, excuse me, elbow and wrist and nerve. He's had a lot going on with his arm and lower arm, which isn't something we see too much out of the quarterback position, but you know, that grip strength is an important factor in throwing the football. So it, it is a major concern, but last week, what he was able to do was, you know, stretch the defense out vertically. They got some vertical shot plays going to Taewon Taylor, and it really, you know, helped open up the game. And, you know, if you can get some of those against Jacksonville, which Indianapolis just couldn't, they couldn't stretch the field vertically at all. Um, it's going to open up so much more lanes, but I just don't like it against the Jacksonville Jaguars, in, in all honesty. Plus, Tennessee – you know, their offensive line hasn't been as good this season. They're not using as many of these max protect play action plays uh, that were part of the exotic smash mouth, which leaves Mariota open to more pressure. Uh, and he hasn't really responded well by getting the ball out quicker or anything like that. But, you know, the Titans have just seemed to play well against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They have straight, three straight wins. Um, most of them are low low scoring games, but they didn't score 37 points against them in September of last year. Um, and then you look at the weapons, Corey Davis is, you know, sort of been having a hot streak over the last couple of weeks and just been getting it done. Uh, and you look at his numbers, he's someone you're probably looking at as a wide receiver three or flex play because of it. But, you know, he's been playing well. He's got 52 receptions on the season now for 744 yards. Uh, and, and if he can keep up that pace, he'll be right around 1,000 yards at the end of the season. So I'm going to be interested to see if he can sort of, uh, you know, take it to the next level and become a 1,000-yard receiver because it looked like a real struggle at the beginning of the year. Yeah, well, he really has come along, and that's one of those things that really concerns me, though, about Mariota's health because, you know, if he's not able to make those those passes down the field, that that's really a tough news for Corey Davis owners because he has been a guy that you have been able to be kind of reliant on, especially as a wide receiver three, as a flex play uh, over the last few weeks. As far as Taewon Taylor goes, um, uh, you know, I look at the production that he had last week. Yeah, it was great. Three catches, 104 yards. It was the downfield attack, uh, big plays still only four targets. So, you know, that's him hitting at 75% on big plays. That's not something that I feel that I could really count on consistently, and especially if there is going to be rain, and especially against the Jacksonville defense is why I would I would shy away from, from even going there this week. Yeah, I, I do agree. It, it just his impact on the offense is really where it was seen the most. 
Johnny Smith had been a guy who was sort of having a touchdown spree. He had touchdowns in three of his last four games heading into last week. Didn't find the end zone last week, but he did have one go right through his hands. Um, And, you know, if you want to attack Jacksonville, you can do it with some play action and either seam shots or, you know, quick uh, overs to your tight end position. So I do like, you know, maybe Johnny Smith as – a mid-range tight end too, who you might see some value out of. Is is there any reason to have any faith in uh, either uh, Derrick Henry or Deion Lewis at this point in time? I mean, I, I can't imagine anyone that uh, truly has made a, a strong run to the playoffs has either of these guys uh, leading the way for them. I don't think you can have those guys leading the way for you. Maybe your best bet is to have Deion Lewis, um, you know, as the pass catching compliment uh, to the team here, um, you know, it, it's sort of gone as predicted, but he hasn't been as successful as a rusher. He's, you know, breaking off just 3.4 yards per carry on 135 carries, uh, but he's catching the ball well. Um, and against Jacksonville, I couldn't see him having some success in that area, but he had just three catches for 14 yards the last time these two teams played. Uh, but it didn't seem like he was fully integrated into the offense at that point this season. So I could see a, a, a four or five catch performance that makes him a you know flex floor in PPR leagues. All right. Well, let's let's go ahead and leave uh, that game. I think we're done there. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> let's go to the first game of of Sunday, in which we're going to have another barn burner of uh, great fantasy potential production. Here we got the New York Jets heading up. Uh, into Buffalo to face the Bills. So let's go I mean, ahead and start. When I said I was waiting to get to the next one, who do you need? This isn't the fuck. What the fuck I was talking about? Well, he, yeah, well, you set me up. You set well, me up. <laughs> we're here, so let's do our best to to get through this. Is there anyone that's even worth considering starting on the Jets that would make an impact against? Uh, again, this is one of the tougher defenses to play, and especially the way that they the Bills muck it up. They're only giving up 294 yards of total uh, uh, offense per game to their opponents. Yeah, and with that, with the Bills, over the last five weeks, there hasn't been a better uh, defense in terms of limiting fantasy points, and they're doing that especially in the pass game, uh, where quarterbacks are just you know scoring half of their half the league average, which is like eight fantasy points a game, um, eight and a half. So, you know, that that's worrisome, especially when we don't know if it's going to be Darnold or if it's going to be, um, you know, Josh McCown again. Um, and, and then at receiver, you know, Jermaine Curse hit it a few games of steady targets, isn't really producing in a big way. Uh, in terms of yards per target or yards per reception or, you know, first down rate in any sort of one of those rate stats you want to look at, he's just not producing. Uh, There hasn't been the shot plays to Robbie Anderson that made him so successful last year. And, um, you know, Quincy Inunua isn't seeing that gigantic target share that he was seeing at the beginning of the season. So, So you look at all of those guys and they're wiped out. The, the real best play here is, you know, Christopher Herndon at, at tight end. Um, but even he had a, a slightly down game last week. 
but he's just involved enough on a weekly basis, um, you know, and, and they're using him as a chain mover. Uh, and he's seen, you know, six and eight targets over the last two weeks. So, you know, he's That's probably the best fantasy play here. Um, maybe if you want to reach to uh, if, if you think Isaiah Crowell can get it done, because, you know, Buffalo still is having trouble stopping the run. Yeah, it's just one of those ones that, you know, again, with the way that the that they tend to play, it's, you know, unless you get a huge run from Crowell, uh, you're, you're going to get pretty menial stats. So, uh, and I agree, too, with the, with the Herndon call. You know, it's amazing, too, that, that the best potential fantasy threat is a guy that's available on uh, the waiver wire. <laughs> yeah, uh, I agree. I, I do like Crowell, but as we mentioned you know, they're using Elijah McGuire. They're using even Trenton Cannon at running back at times. So he's not getting, you know, 100% of backfield touches, you know, not even close to it. And that, and that's when you talk about the pace of play in this game and, and how ball can either get pressure or stop the passing game, you know, through their secondary. Yep. Well, let's go ahead and flip it over to Buffalo. And here we have Josh Allen, who uh, had basically a, a coming out party for him last week. He, he threw for 231 yards, threw two touchdowns and two interceptions. But as seems to be the thing with the, the rookie running uh, rookie quarterbacks, uh, him and Lamar Jackson are doing it with their legs. He ran for 135 yards on nine carries. Uh, pretty ridiculous. Uh, we saw Zay Jones all of a sudden uh, come out and, and, and be something, catching two touchdowns uh, and 67 yards. Uh, we also saw, I believe it was a, a terrible underthrow that should have been another touchdown pass uh, by Allen. And uh, you got okay. Shady McCoy, who was pretty quiet last week, you know, and, and now we have no Kelvin Benjamin. So going against the Jets – you know, a team that usually was known for their defense but really hasn't been playing that well is is I, I don't know that anyone's really streaming and gonna and gonna go rush for for Josh Allen because uh, I just don't know that you can trust his rushing yards like you can trust Lamar Jackson and his rushing yards. I mean, they are semi trustable. He's rushed for what over the last two games, even uh, two hundred and thirty four yards. Uh, so he's really moving the six with his legs. He would have thrown another touchdown to be what the game tire to Charles Clay chucked it, you know, 50, 60 yards down the field. Clay came back on the ball and just dropped it. Um, You know, it's one of the crazier plays of the game. He's starting to show some upside though. Um, You know, there's still a lot of work to be done for, you know, Josh Allen and this offense as a whole, but, if they're going to start playing to his strengths and let him be, you know, the improvisational runner that he is, uh, it's going to give him some upside. He does have, you know, a, a sturdy frame, albeit, you know, he has, you know, dealt with some injuries already this season, but he's the size of Cam Newton and he runs well. So, you know, those are things that we've seen translate to NFL. If you're going to run a little quarterback power, Josh Allen's the guy who could do that for you. So are you going to go into this week trusting LaShawn McCoy, though? Uh, you know, uh, McCoy just is just – it's been that inevitable year. I think I was waiting for it to happen about two years ago where he was just going to, like, you know, just kind of fall off the table. And it, it seems like it, he's just fallen off the table this year. 
you know. Yeah, well, uh, the offensive line is just not good enough, and they're just not, you know, good enough to put them in a lot of scoring opportunities. You know, the Jets are pretty average against opposing running backs over the last five weeks, but he's not somebody I'm, you know, dying to put in the lineup at all. Um, but wouldn't you also wouldn't you also say due to the fact that Allen has been running the ball more, but we're not seeing the effectiveness that like you know uh, Gus Edwards has had with Lamar Jackson in the RPO, uh, Lashawn McCoy is not having that success with Josh Allen. Yeah, we haven't seen that really play out, uh, and I think it's got a lot of, lot to do with that offensive line strength or lack thereof. Um, and talking about the receiving weapons, you you talked about it quickly. But Kelvin Benjamin is no more as he got cut by the team today, which is a sort of interesting thing after at the trade deadline last year, they went out, you know, and paid a pretty good price to get him over there to Buffalo. So two teams have now given up on him. Um, it, it's not going to work out, it seems, for Kelvin Benjamin, but there will be a team who gives him another shot, as is there always is with guys who were drafted in the first round. Um, but the best play on the Buffalo side is probably playing the Bills defense uh, against the New York Jets, no matter who the quarterback is. They can get pressure. They can create turnovers. They could stop the you know opposing passing game, and when that happens, it, it allows you to put up some pretty good fantasy points. So I do like uh, the Buffalo side uh, as their best play. Yeah, and that, and on top of that, they play much better at home as well. True. Let's uh, move on to the next game. But before we do that, you want to take a quick gander to this? Yeah, that was perfect when you didn't see an ad. <laughs> so so we're, we got the, the next game. We got Saquon Barkley and the New York Giants. At the Washington Redskins, the Washington Redskins, who had recently just lost uh, Alex Smith for the season and now have lost Colt McCoy and will be leaning on Mark Sanchez. Uh, so the battle of uh, two, uh, well, one current and one former New York quarterback going against each other. Uh, two horrible quarterbacks, it seems, as far as fantasy uh, would would dictate this year going against each other. Can we feel – obviously, we know that we're feeling good about Saquon Barkley. He showed against the Bears that even against a real tough defense when he's struggling, all it takes is one drive and a couple plays, and all of a sudden the, the day is turned around for him. Um, and, and obviously, we saw Odell Beckham uh, with the uh, – what was it? The touchdown uh, catch as well as a touchdown throw, right? Yeah. So – you know, you 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 put that together. You you have them coming off of a uh, you know on a high, really. So they got to be feeling great about themselves, even though they almost blew that game with two stupid defensive penalties at the end. And so, but you look at them here in this divisional matchup, and and there's no reason that I can't feel com- comfortable with Saquon Barkley uh, going in and doing what he's going to need to do. Uh, Odell should also have a, a chance for a decent game here. It's all a matter of is Eli going to give you good Eli or bad Eli? Yeah, um, I, I do agree. They have been better at protecting Eli. The Bears were able to get a ton of pressure on him. They are seeming if they're getting leads though, they're going into a shell uh, and just trying to protect that lead at all costs. Um, that means you know avoiding a lot of passing. 
which hasn't been great for uh, Odell owners who have sort of, you know, gotten some nice returns early in ball games. Then it has sort of wavered and wavered as the game has gone on. Um, I, I don't think you're going to be able to absolutely blow out Washington. They do have a pretty stingy defense, but over the last five games, uh, Washington's defense isn't as stingy as it was previously earlier in the season. They're allowing the third most fantasy points to uh, opposing wide receivers, which should mean good things for Odell, uh, good things for Saquon. Uh, Evan Ingram, you know, coming back from his own injury, I don't think he's a guy who can be relied upon at this time. Uh, If he's not in, I think that gives us a slight boost to Sterling Shepard, but He's not a guy I can really pine for. I'd much rather just search for another option. You know, look for the guys like Godwin and Humphreys who can, who were found on waiver wires last week. And guys like that seem to pop up, you know, as Friday approaches and practice reports get clear. Not only that, think about it this way. Do, do you really want to rely on a guy who's a secondary receiver on a team that is a run heavy team uh, or running back heavy team as far as the you know offensive production that Saquon Barkley gives that you know percentage wise, it, it it doesn't usually bode well, especially if that's not a good team and they don't get 80, 75, 80 offensive plays in a game to 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 give you enough confidence that hey yeah we're gonna uh, be able to get a lot of production from Sterling Shepard. So I, I agree with you there. Um, yeah, we go to Saquon and flipping over to the other side. All right, so the other side, we got we got issues now. We got Mark Sanchez is going to be the quarterback. Uh, you know, I, I, the guy that you have to uh, hold your hang your head on right now, obviously, is Adrian Peterson busting off a ninety yard touchdown run uh, last night, uh, which was the longest of uh, of his career. And you look at where the Giants uh, potentially struggle. You know, it is giving up uh, points to running backs. I mean, they're giving up. Uh, uh, what was it? Uh, something like 23 points a game or, or 20, almost 22 points a game. They're, uh, uh, t- ranking 23rd against, uh, in giving up points. That's a lot of points that they're giving out and look at what the bears were able to do. I mean, Jordan Howard, if you want to, that's probably the better comparison for, for what Adrian Peterson is, uh, than Tariq Cohen, uh, he was killing them in the first half. I think he had 61 yards or 63 yards on on 13 carries, and then the Bears only gave him three carries the rest of the game. You know, and mm-hmm. obviously with it being Mark Sanchez uh, and, and and coming in and you know not being you know Colt McCoy at least was able to really kind of move this offense up and down the field. We're going to see a much more traditional type of an offense uh, with Sanchez there and just Peterson. Say bad. Just, just say bad. Like, like yeah. don't try and sugarcoat it. Like, Adrian Peterson had a 90-yard touchdown. He also failed to reach 100 rushing yards on the game. He ended up with 98 rushing yards. He's the second player in the history of the NFL to have a 90-yard touchdown and end up with under 100 yards rushing. So, you, you look at that, teams are just going to stack the box and make Mark Sanchez beat them. So you're going to see Landon Hounds playing as an overhang safety and pulling down into the box, uh, trying to stop AP, because Mark Sanchez flat out just couldn't get it done last week. Um, you know, he, he completed 13 of 21 passes, but it was for just 100 yards. 
He can't stretch the field vertically. They don't have a real vertical stretch element. It, this team just plays too tight to the line of scrimmage. And even though you're getting guys who are good in space back, like Jamison Crowder and Chris Thompson, they, they still need that vertical element to be able to you know make some things happen. No, 100%. And that's why Josh Doxson becomes basically irrelevant again because the ability to stretch the ball down the field is what was making him successful. And, again, when you're saying it, and it's absolutely true, Sanchez, they're not going to hardly take that many shots. So all of the, the passes that you're going to see, maybe it's a, it's an uptick in some PPR leagues for Jordan Reed because it'll be a lot of those short passes. But it's going to be one of those frustrating days where you're going to get a guy who might get eight or nine catches and he's only going to get 51 yards. Yeah, I, I think Reed's probably the best player. Uh, but, you know, even with Mark Sanchez back there, I think it's much tougher to rely on him and feel great about him. He becomes more of a back-end, tight-end one that I locked in, got to start this guy. But he is the best probably start of all the pass catchers. Uh, and even AP, I'm probably going to end up being a little bit lower on because of you know what the Giants can do to stack the box because of the presence of Mark Sanchez. Absolutely. All right, so we're done with those uh, couple of really not interesting fantasy outlook games. Let's go to one that is a very interesting fantasy outlook game. And for that, uh, we go to the NFC South. Uh, we go to the New Orleans Saints coming off of a, a tough loss uh, against the Cowboys where they were completely stymied and held to 10 points. And they're going to get their chance uh, to rev that engine again as they head down to Tampa Bay uh, to face the Buccaneers and Jameis Winston. So let's go ahead and start with New Orleans. Uh, again, we always know that Drew Brees is not necessarily the same quarterback uh, on the road as he is at home in the Dome, uh, although I think that against this defense and in, in what should be a, a good weather game uh, and coming off of a loss, I think I'll take all those chips uh, and, and put them into the center and say I'm going to go all in on my fantasy dream and I'll take uh, Drew Brees as my quarterback this week. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. But since moving on from Mike Smith, a defensive coordinator, Tampa Bay has been a little bit better. Over the last five weeks, um, they're allowing you know, the eighth fewest fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. They're still getting beaten up by opposing running backs. Uh, and their offense hasn't been putting them in as bad of spots. Uh, with turnovers all over the field, they've been a little bit, uh, you know, more careful with the ball, and that's made teams have to drive and drive and drive against the Buccaneers, which they weren't having to do early in the season. Um, but it is Drew Brees. This before last week, this was one of the best offenses in the NFL. It was absolutely high flying. You look at, um, you know, what. Alvin Kamara has been able to do, you know, with Michael Thomas, I, those guys are both locked into your lineup. Um, then, you know, Drew Brees is locked in. So you're really looking for the other pieces. You're look, Can you trust, you know, Trey Quan Smith, who's had a, you know, 30 point fantasy game, but also two games of, you know, goose eggs besides being injured in another um and in those games, he's got goose eggs. He's seeing just one target. So it, they're not force-feeding it. And then, you know, guys like Keith Kirkwood and Austin Carr are contributing a little bit, and Kirkwood's been found in the end zone a couple times. Um, you know, 
Benjamin Watson also has contributed from time to time, but it's just not consistent enough. So you're really looking to see if there's an ancillary piece that does stick out. And I've got to say it is, it is Traquan uh, against the Tampa Bay Buc- Buccaneers, but this is one of those range of outcome plays because he could be a, a top 10 fantasy wide receiver or he could literally post you a zero. So you have to be, you know, built to withstand that uh, either way. Yeah, but at the same time, if you're making that decision, you're, you're probably in a situation where maybe you're playing uh, an opponent that on paper is much better than you, right? And so you're looking for that, who is that guy that I can play that has that bigger pop potential? And in this matchup, again, remember, uh, the, the Buccaneers beat the Saints back in week one, so this is extra incentive for them to, you know, I don't think they want to have two losses to, to uh, Tampa Bay. And you're going to have, this is not a game as far as range of outcomes for this game. Is there any way in, in your mind that you see this game uh, being under 50 points scored? Um, I don't think so, but it's a good question about the line on this game because it's got to be another 58 or 60 game here, right? Um, I would imagine so. I mean, so to I'll me, the, what's that? I'll pull it up. Hold on. Okay. Yeah, to me, this has got to be one that's probably about 50. There you go. I was going to say 54. So 55 and a half. So you just know that there's going to be points. And with that, you know, I'll I'll take those opportunities for for those bigger plays. And because, too, it's also one of those things that if, let's say, for example, if you want to make the case for Traquan, here's another way that you can make it. You can make it in the sense that, that New Orleans goes ahead and just sprints away with this game. And in which case they can go ahead and they can uh, maybe rest uh, Kamara a little bit and and lean on more of a of a, you know giving the ball to Mark Ingram, but then also resting a Michael Thomas, and then that elevates Trey Quan, where all of a sudden the fourth quarter potentially could be one where he gets two three drives uh, where it's just all him. That's make yeah, that's can... truly making a case <laughs> in a blow up. Yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, I think that's about it on the Saints. Let's flip over to the other side. Uh, Tampa Bay, Jameis Winston, you know, now comfortably under center for a couple weeks now. Um, threw for 249-2 and two last week. Uh, but they took it pretty easy and lit the foot off the gas big time against Carolina. But they are still averaging the most total yards of offense in the league. Um you know, Peyton Barber had a bunny down, uh, and he's shooting for his fourth game in a row with the rush TD. Um, he's averaging 80 yards per game against the Saints in the last two. Mike Evans is calling in passes at 17 yards a clip. Um, you know, looking at, you know, if I think at this point you should just be counting out Deshaun Jackson. Like, there's no way he should be back in the lineup. Um, we saw how Adam Humphreys has performed and then Chris Godwin, uh, when, when given opportunities, those guys have played awesome. I I think you've just got to write off this Deshaun Jackson thing as a, a, a failed experiment. Um, because, you know, you want to slice it a couple different ways, um, in standard leagues, the, the Bucks have, Five or four receivers in the top 30. Um, it's pretty much the same in half PPR, 
Uh, and I'd have to flip over to PPR. I'm pretty sure it's close in, in PPR as well, uh, except for Sean Jackson falls a bit there. Um, yeah. But the, the receivers are playing really well. You should just write off Deshaun Jackson as a sunk cost now and, and see what you have in some of these younger guys because uh, a guy like Adam Humphreys is going to be you know, a free agent after the season. Is he somebody you want to go back to? Because he has three straight seasons uh, of 50 catches and over 600 yards. He's not a major contributor, but he could be a weapon. And, you know, over the last you know handful of games, there hasn't been many receivers better than Adam Humphreys, which is sort of surprising to say. Well, and here's here's a part of the part and parcel of the reason for it. If you look at what Jameis has done since he came back, so when he got uh, benched again back in Week Eight um, against Cincinnati, a horrible defense, he threw four interceptions. And it, it, before these last three games on the year, it, he had played four games. He had thrown at least two interceptions in every game, and then had the four interception game. So, you know, ten interceptions in, in four games, and since coming back. He's thrown one interception and six touchdowns and has been completing uh, almost, uh, I think, over 70% of his passes. And this is why you're seeing Godwin and you're seeing Humphreys and and Brait and these other guys start to make more of the impact because I think Jameis has finally understood, you know what, I can't take those wild, crazy shots down the field. I got to take really what's presented to me and just play a smarter uh, less aggressive style and, and just take what the defense is giving me. And that's what he's doing. And that's why you're seeing these underneath connections to Adam Humphreys. And, and you're seeing Godwin uh, being the guy that's being able to do a little bit more after the catch. Uh, and, and and they're going to double team Mike Evans. He's not necessarily sitting, sitting there now going, I have to force everything into him. But as I, as you mentioned, as, as I haven't, I, I agree. Deshaun Jackson is an afterthought at this point. Yeah. I don't even know if they, you know, bring him back to health. I think at this point you should just be sitting that guy, uh, even if he's healthy with his thumb. Um, I, I think we pretty much hit everybody there. I do think Cameron Bright, you know, being the only tight end left on the roster, um, you know, is it, still probably locked into your lineups because he's so, you know, sort of efficient in the red zone and, um, I think he missed one last week, but he got a target there that should have been caught. Um, but well, other than that, he's not putting up big yardage. His high this season is 36 receiving yards. Yeah, but that's also because you've had O.J. Howard out there for most of the time, too. So, you know, I agree. Receiving yards. I, I, I know, I know, I know, <laughs> but. This is a game where there should be the need to throw the ball a lot more. And again, I don't, you know, Peyton Barber, if you want to start him as a low end running back to go ahead. But, uh, you know, if that's that production, if anyone that's been relying on him this year shouldn't be in the playoffs. And if you are, you got some some gold elsewhere. I have Peyton Barber, who I've been playing in a flex, so fuck off, Houdini. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in a PPR flex, he's been averaging, you know, 10 fantasy points over the last, you know, five or six games here now. He's been, you know, getting those bunny touchdowns and, you know, 70 or 80 rushing yards. It hasn't been, you know, miraculous, but 
when your other options are guys like Trey Quan who can put up some zeros or Tyrell who, you know, after a hot stretch to open the season or in the middle of the season, hasn't been doing much the last, you know, three or four weeks now, um, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Luckily, I also happen to pick up Josh Adams. Things are looking up. There you go. There you go. Uh, so do you like Peyton Barber this week then, going against uh, the Saints with the, all the scoring? The Saints are one of the tougher run defensive teams in the league. They're allowing the eighth fewest fantasy points to opposing running backs. They absolutely stoned Peyton Barber in week one. Um, but, you know, if you're looking for a guy who's going to contribute, you know, 60 total yards, maybe 70 total yards, um, but who has a chance for a touchdown with that? I do think you could do worse than Peyton Barber, but I also think you could do better. Um, you know, in that game against the Saints in week one, he had 19 carries, but was able to come out with just 69 yards. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know what? Let's let's go ahead and, uh, and and move to the next game, and uh, and, and we'll let's roll through this one, and then we can uh, hit the uh, hit the the sponsor. But let we got the New England Patriots at the Miami Dolphins. Uh, New England coming in looking to solidify their uh, chance here uh, to to catch uh, Kansas City and uh, and and steal home field, uh, coming off of a nice win against Minnesota. Uh, Tom Brady uh, had had a good game in, in that one, uh, thrown for 311 yards, but only one touchdown and a pick. Um, you know, he did rush for a couple yards and and and, and become a, a thousand yard rusher in his career. Congratulations! Um, we have a crowded backfield there now, though, with Sony Michelle, James White, um, Rex Burkhead, who's back there now. You know. I, I, what does this do for for Sony Michelle owners? Because I, I think as we as we see and we and you've said throughout the year and last year, James White has his role and James White's going to always have his role in this offense as long as he's there. Yeah, um, what they did last week is sort of what I thought. I mean, Rex had Bur- uh, Rex Burkhead, Rex Burkhead. Say what? Rex Burkhead. Uh, mixed in as both a rusher and a receiver. They ran some two-back sets with James White and Rex Burkhead, both as receiving options. Bertha. And, and I think that's – Bertha, the big Bertha. I think it's something that's likely to continue. Um, now, against Miami, you know, they always seem to play really well, but sometimes – you know, when the Patriots go on the road to Miami, they get caught in a trap. I don't know if I foresee that coming. They need every wing they can get. Um, you know, as you talked about with the playoffs and online, you know, Sony Michelle did have 17 carries last week. And if he scores a touchdown, you know, you're loving your day. Uh, last time these two teams played, he had 112 yards rushing and a touchdown. So I I do really like Sony Michelle. I I think they're going to continue to ride him. Um, but Rex is going to see, you know, five to eight, uh, carries and, you know, a touch or two in the past game. 
what what they're really doing with Rex is they're not giving James White many many of these rushing attempts anymore. Um, now those are sort of flowing over to Rex. Um, so it, it's a complicated situation, but I, I still think you're rolling out those top two backs. And James White's still a top ten back in uh, standard leagues, you know, higher than that in PPR. So, you know, he's somebody you're rolling out and feeling pretty comfortable with. Uh, the offense was really stagnant last week until they got Josh Gordon involved. Um, he's averaging 85 receiving yards a game in his past four. Um, you know, Rob Gronkowski has five TD catches in his last six against Miami. And you know, Julian Edelman's been a, a big proponent, but he seems to be getting those little dings up, uh, dinged up you know, every game and battling through injury. So, um, but what what he's been doing since back is, you know, been flat out awesome. So I, I think everyone there is like a flex, you know, in the past game. Um, yeah. I'm going to continue agree. to roll out the ball, though. Yeah, and here's the thing, too. If you look at what happened the last time these two teams met, the the running backs went went nuts on him. You had, um, you know, Sony Michelle had 112 yards and a score. Uh, James White had eight carries for 44 yards and a touchdown, uh, as well as uh, you know doing damage as a receiver as well, where he had eight catches for 68 and a score. Uh, that's where all the damage was done. And with James White always being such another guy out there in the passing threat, that is why everyone becomes kind of a flex play because you know you're not seeing. The, the Gronkowski of four, three or four years ago where it's like, oh, okay, it's going to be Gronkowski getting uh, 11, 10 targets in a game. He's, he's getting six, seven targets in, in a game now and, you know, having to, you know, make the big plays and sometimes he's been getting those yards late and, you know, and every time it's still like every other time. It's like he takes a big hit in every game. Uh, and Edelman, you know, he goes, he's the guy that just seems like he gets on those spurts and it's like, and then all of a sudden he'll disappear. So, and, and your ancillary guys and your uh, Chris Hogan's as well, you know, kind of make that happen. But I agree that this, this is a game that they absolutely need. Um, I, I think that Gordon has a much better game this week. I think when they played the last time, I think that wasn't that his first game playing with them uh, with new England. So this should be one of those ones where, you know, I think he really is the guy that if I'm picking one of those, one of those guys in that uh, in that group. I'll I'll pick Gordon. All right. Uh, I, my problem with Gordon is that he's likely to get Xavier and Howard, and there's very few corners in the league who are, are locking people up. But you know, all the numbers on what Xavier and Howard has been doing have been awesome. So I I wonder if they're gonna you know move Josh Gordon around, maybe play him a little bit more on the slot and try to get more advantageous matchups for him, but. You know, everybody's in play for the Patriots, as we discussed. Uh, Miami with Ryan Tannehill back. Um, that's where it becomes a little bit more murky. Um, you know, Kenny Stills caught a great touchdown last week. Uh, Devontae Parker had a pretty nice game. You know, Kenyon Drake is becoming a red zone weapon um, in the passing game because they're flat out just going with Frank Gore as a runner now. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, nothing from the tight end position. 
the depth at wide receiver, you know, has been depleted. Uh, it was a real deep group that never really played together, but, you know, Leonte Carew is now, you know, showing some flashes. Uh, the best play is probably Kenyon Drake after that Devontae Parker, but I don't want much to do with the Dolphins uh, because I think they're going to try and play this slow and steady Frank Gore grinding out yards, trying to keep Tom Brady off the field to steal a game type of offense. Well, and if they are going to play that type of an offense, then, you know, uh, that could be also where maybe it's Danny Amendola uh, working against his uh, former team, right? Because those underneath routes and the shorter, shorter passing game. Yeah. Um, I got nothing else on the Dolphins. All right. Well, we're going we're gonna to move to the next game. But before we do, go ahead and listen to a word from our sponsors. All right, well, we got an interesting game here, kind of a contrasting styles matchup. Uh, we have the Baltimore Ravens at Kansas City, and uh, Lamar Jackson continuing to get it done uh, with his legs, uh, goes for another 75 yards and scores another rushing touchdown. Uh, you know, not really doing it very much so as a passer. Uh, he only threw for 125 yards last game. So we, that really is, is done is, is, is kind of knocked all of the uh, ancillary passing targets out. And this is really uh, a team where you're going to focus on if you were smart enough to grab Lamar Jackson with the amount of damage he's doing as a runner is, is helping his fantasy production immensely. And Gus Edwards as well. Uh, and now he also gets sprinkled in with a little Kenneth Dixon, uh, who's who's back. So, does, do you agree that that's where you're going to feel at most confidence? Although, again, you're going against the Chiefs' defense that has been allowing a ton of points. So, you know, we've saw we've seen Crabtree uh, kind of step up a little bit, uh, and and Willie Sneed has kind of disappeared some over the last couple of weeks. Where do you feel the confidence in a, in a great potential matchup for fantasy production against a poor Chiefs defense? Yeah, I sort of feel the most confidence with Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards. After that, you're right, Kenneth Dixon was back, but they're also you know getting Ty Montgomery involved, and you know they're mixing up how they're using him. Uh, you know, getting him involved in the screen game, he could see. Uh, you know, a bunch of design targets, uh, which allows, you know, him to make some moves. Um, you know, you know, last game they were able to go pretty slow, but he did see seven targets and caught five passes. Um, I think their best bet is, again, to play this run-based style that keeps, you know, Patrick Mahomes off the field and, you know, go from there. See, see what their defense can do against that high flying attack. But um, you know, at receiver, John Brown and Lamar Jackson just do not have a connection right now. They're they're you know designing one or two shot plays, uh, and they're just not connecting on them. The targets uh, have been you know up, down, left, right, and they haven't really worked out. So. You know, he's definitely on the bench. Willie Sneed, 
you know, much more consistent with Joe Flacco. Um, but um, he's been providing a three or a four catch, you know, floor. So if you're looking for some real safety uh, to get you eight points or something in PPR leagues, I think Sneed's there for that. Um, Crabtree's probably the best of the lot, but man, they're really stretching to play him too. You're stretching to play any of these guys. When you figure since Lamar Jackson has, has taken over as quarterback, he has thrown for 540 yards. He has rushed for 404 yards. <laughs> so, you know, there's there's not enough passing yards to go around for the rest of the guys to feel com- comfortable, even in, even in a good matchup like this. So uh, I, I think we're done with uh, with Baltimore. Would you agree? Yeah. I, I think Lamar Jackson's stats a little messed up because he was getting some rushing play early in the season. But, uh, yeah, I, I do think his rushing yards are very close to his passing yards. Well, hang on. Let me, that's, that's a, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up. So, here, I'll give it to you. Since he's, since he's been the quarterback now, so over the last three weeks, he has rushed for 119, 71, and 75. So that's like 190. It's like 265 yards, right? Yes. And he's thrown for 150, 178, and 125. The fact that 178 yards is your high water mark, you're throwing for about an average of about 150 yards a game. Um, that's just it's not, not going to get. It's not going to get anyone. That's not going to get anyone fantasy points. <laughs> And that's, that's, and that's with a giant, like, what, 72-yard completion to uh, Mark Andrews, who, you know, also led the team with 47 receiving yards last week. Um, yeah, it, it's not great, but uh, let's flip over to the Chiefs. That's much more right. exciting to talk about. All right, well. Let me let me start with the Chiefs and and, and let's 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 address the running back situation uh, where you got Spencer Ware and and you got Damian Williams and in this matchup this is one of those ones where I think Spencer Ware is is he's, you know they're going to kind of fill Kareem Hunt by a committee you know not asking one guy to do anything more than what they're they're really good at so Spencer Ware is your hammer and Damian Williams is going to be more of that guy that's going to be for like the end or, you know stretch plays, get to the outside, uh, you know, and also be as a receiver. And I think that that bodes better this week for Damian Williams because the Baltimore defense is not a defense that is easy uh, to run the ball against. And and to me, uh, when they are the number one team against running backs, only allowing 12.6 points per game, the, the only benefit that you have here is that Kansas City is such a loaded offense that, you know, they're – they're not necessarily just going to be able to uh, – they're never just one-dimensional. They, they, they run their offense. So I think if I'm looking at those two guys just in this, in this matchup, I don't like this matchup for Spencer Ware if you went out and got him against this Baltimore defense. Yeah, your, your hope for Spencer Ware is that he puts up, you know, 50 or 60 rushing yards and, and has a touchdown – like that that's your real you're banking on the touchdown so i do see where you're going i I do think he has the most probability for a touchdown of anybody in the backfield um you know damian williams 
you know, it was was decent last week. He wasn't uber explosive, but um, you know they they were using him much more to attack the edges, and they did give him five carries for thirty eight yards. Two targets uh, came down with just uh, came down with both of them for seven yards. But yeah, it, it's not the same without Kareem Hunt. Um, but if they can get up, you know, they might grind it out with Spencer Ware. He, he just doesn't have that next level gear that uh, Hunt had. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see play out. So if it's going to be tough for them to run, look for this passing game as the guys who really need to step up here. And as we saw last week, it sort of went through Travis Kelsey and not uh, Tyree Kill. And I think that's something that can be you know, very, very hard to you know what happens here uh, against Baltimore. Baltimore's middle of the pack against opposing tight ends, allowing eight and a half standard points a game. Um, and they're you know, pretty effective against wide receivers, uh, and, and especially since Jimmy Smith's come back. But, yeah, I, I'm not in love with anybody there. Over the last five weeks, the Ravens have allowed just the, 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 the second fewest fantasy points a game to opposing wide receivers. Um, but Tyreek Hill is still Tyreek Hill. He's the number one wide receiver on the season. You're locking him into your lineup. You're locking Travis Kelsey into your lineup. You're locking Patrick Mahomes into your lineup just to make those, you know, difficult calls very easy. Um, Besides that, you know, Spencer wears that RB2 or flex play. That's a little bit of touchdown dependent. Uh, You know, Damian Williams is probably in the flex range, especially in PPR leagues. Uh, in standard, I probably wouldn't go that far off a ledge for him. Um, the real question is, are you getting Sammy Watkins back? Or are you going to see more of Chris Connolly again? Houdini, what do you think? Well, you know, this is one of those things I just don't know, uh, you know, how much I can trust the Watkins situation right now. It's one of those things that you thought was, oh, he'll be fine, you know, and then it's like it goes to uh, another uh, week and then, oh, wait, then it's another week. And it's and it's it's just kind of a, that nagging type of an injury. I I don't think that they're going to rush him back. No, like, could you have hold, held him out against the Raiders to be able to play this game healthier against the Ravens. You know what I mean? It could have been precautionary, um, sort of like what the Bears tried to do with Mitchell Trubisky and failed epically at. Yeah, I I 100% understand that philosophy, and maybe that's true. But if Sammy Watkins plays, uh, then, you know, you you have to feel comfortable in him. But I I don't think that uh, if he plays, you can't play Conley. So, um, yeah. And the other thing, um, yeah, I mean, as a as a flex or, or a wide receiver three, I think you can. And, and the other thing yeah. about Tyreek Hill, though, you know, you said the offense went through Kelsey, but it, it really twice on long touchdowns went through Tyreek Hill's hands too, where he could have made a huge impact. Um, I think that's it for the Chiefs. Let's move it on to the next game here. We've got the Indianapolis Colts at the Houston Texans, who what haven't lost since starting the season 0-3. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, it's been a hell of a turnaround for them. Um, 
you know, the Colts were on their own hot streak until getting shut at Um, You know, you, you look across the board, Marlon Mack wasn't able to get anything going. Eric Ebron, you know, caught a bunch of passes, uh, 10 of them to be exact, but wasn't able to put up much yardage, didn't get anything going in the red zone. Obviously, when they got shut out, um, you know, T.Y. Hilton caught a bunch of passes last week, uh, eight of them for 77 yards, but wasn't able to push it down vertically. But he's got four in a row with 75 yards. Um, he's going for his fifth. He has absolutely demolished the Texans in his career. So I, I, I'm sticking T.Y. Hilton out uh, in my lineup. I think I've got him as a top 10 wide receiver this week. Um you know, looking at Marlon Mack, I do think uh, he'll be able to get it back going. He he did score a touchdown last year against them, um, and he wasn't around this year. Naheem Hines, you know, was able to be the impact player last time these two teams played, caught nine passes for 63 yards and two touchdowns. I don't think that's going to happen again. Um, but, you know, Hines is – a PPR play. Hey, Luck. Hey. Uh, hey. Hines, Hines had nine catches for 50 yards last week. <laughs> yeah. Hines has got some of these, you know, stupid, you know, games. And when, when Luck throws 62 passes, uh, or what he throw last week? Uh, I forget. Um, when, when he's attempting these 45 or 50 passes like he was earlier in the season, Hines is going to see a pretty good share of him, man. Um, I just don't know if they're going to have to go as pass-heavy against the Texans. Um, I I like his odds to be more efficient uh, against the Texans. In in nine career games against Houston, Andrew Luck has 21 touchdowns and six interceptions. Um, He's just playing really well. It it didn't show up last week. Um, And – you know, Texans have been playing tougher on defense as of late. Um, so, you know, well, I'm probably rolling out Andrew Luck, Marlon Mack, T.Y. Hilton, Eric Ebron. Everybody else is out. I'll agree with that. But here's what I want to make the statement is as an Andrew Luck owner, right, and in the playoffs where my decision is, well, do I start Andrew Luck or Kirk Cousins? Two guys that are basically – Whenever I decide to choose one over the other, if I choose right, I'm, I choose right by about like two, two and a half points. <laughs> so, um, choose wrong, choose wrong by forty. Yeah, well, they were they were both bad last week. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm hanging my hat on uh, on Andrew Luck. They're, they both have road matchups this week, but I'll take the familiarity mm-hmm. against an opponent against an opponent that he's had demonstrated success. Uh, coming off of a week where he did not have any success, I like the bounce back factor as well. Um, and and with that, you know, knowing that hey, the Texans haven't lost in all these games, it's a division to match up. And hey, we can we may not make the playoffs, but they still have a outside hope that the Colts do. And this would be a chance to also, uh, you know, knock the Texans off their pedestal. So uh, I like luck in these types of games. I think that uh, you know, even if they lose. Uh, it could be one of those ones where he's thrown for 365 yards in this one. Yeah, I don't disagree. Uh, let's flip over to the Texans side. Uh, Deshaun Watson 
Oh, had another efficient game, 22 of 31, uh, 224 yards, but just one touchdown against uh, no picks. Um, over his last 11 game or over his last five games, he has 11 touchdowns. Um, and you know, his only game against Indy this year, he threw for 375 yards and two for uh, two touchdowns against one pick, but also rushed for 41 yards and a touchdown. So, I think you know, with the ability we talked about the Colts, uh, being able to move the ball. You know, that means Deshaun Watson is going to need to, you know, do the same. Um, and, he, you know, he's playing really well. Lamar Miller has started to, you know, ha- have a great season. He's yeah, averaging five yards a carry, uh, you know, getting close to the 1,000-yard mark now with 876 rush yards on the season. Um, Unbelievable. He's, he's, you know – He's aiming for his fourth game in a row with a hundred plus scrimmage yards. He's just playing great right now, man. Like um, he's played well at home. You know, DeAndre Hopkins is DeAndre Hopkins. Caught ten passes for one hundred and sixty nine in the touchdown last time. Um, Kiki Kuti caught eleven passes for one hundred nine yards the last time these two teams played in his real breakout game earlier. The question is, is he going to be healthy? Um, if not, well, you know, it looks pretty good for Demarius. Well, let, let, let's talk about Demarius because since since coming to Houston, he's had games of 61 yards. Um, did, was he uh, was he hurt during that Washington game or he just didn't record any targets in that game? Uh, and then well, he, had, he was not hurt. It was a, it was a strike. Who was sick? Okay. So, and then he had 38 yards and 32 yards. And that the one against Tennessee is the only one where he, he got in the end zone. He scored twice. But here's a guy that, you know, you were expecting a lot better production out of. Um, obviously, it is not, he has not affected DeAndre Hopkins one bit. But can, can we consider him in this matchup? Where you know again their last game against the uh, the Colts it was the thirty seven thirty four game it was the start of their winning streak so again you know, Colts have a chance to be the team that they started their win streak on and potentially end them but does Demarius get off because of the propensity of these two teams to just kind of you know score a lot of points when they when they yeah. meet yeah um, I, I can see that happening. Um, a lot of it's going to depend on is Kiki in the lineup or not. Kiki, do you love me? Are you writing? Um, but if Kiki's <laughs> out, I think more available targets to go Demarius' way. And, you know, they've been early in the game scheming him up some plays, running those quick screens to him that he was so good at in Denver. Uh, but even since the last time these two teams have played, the Texans have, you know, pulled back the reins a bit. They're going a little bit more run heavy. They're mixing in, you know, Lamar Miller, who's averaging five yards. But then, you know, Dr. Foreman today gets pulled off the pup list and activated. Um, Alfred Bloom has been mixing in for seven to ten carries a game. They've been going much more run heavy. I don't know if it's going to be – a blow-up game, but I definitely think the Colts' ability to score is going to keep the Texans passing. So I do like Demarius a little bit. 
uh, as a flex play. I'm not going to push the envelope with him, though. All right. Anything else you want to say on the Texans? Uh, J.J. Watt. He's good. He's good. He's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's go from J.J. Watt, who's good, to two teams that uh, you would have figured that their records would be reverse of what they are. Uh, the four and eight Atlanta Falcons heading to Green Bay, uh, where who's at four seven and one, and now without Mike McCarthy. So, so if the Packers record w- was reversed, would they be one seven and four? No, no, no. They'd be seven four and one. The one always no, stays no, to the no, out. No, no. no I want the straight reverse. I want no, the well, one win. That that would be great, but no. Uh, next year, next year, we'll give them one win. Yeah, um, you know, going off of the Atlanta Falcons, how they played last week, uh, they just weren't able to get anything going. Julio uh, was really shut down by that Baltimore team last week. Um, you know, Tevin's had rough games. Uh, yeah, but Julio is still leading the league in receiving yards, has 86 catches. Last time these two teams played, had five catches, 108 yards. Um, in his past four against Green Bay, including the playoffs, 28, 576, three touchdowns. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> you know, the um, one thing, too. The one thing that, that has kind of evaporated, though, for the Falcons, though, is you really don't have any strong play out of the running backs lately. Um, Tevin Coleman was was atrocious. They went to Edo Smith. It really didn't get much better. Um, you know, but it, it seems like Edo is at least the one that is scoring the touchdowns more. Yeah, with, with Tevin, he's sort of hurting his free agency stock as he heads into a free agent's uh, free agency this summer. Uh, he hasn't really been getting it done as the lead back, but the Falcons, you know, line hasn't played as well. Um, but a lot of it's on him. You know, the yards for uh, yards after contact hasn't been great for Tevin Coleman. And, you know, he, he when he's not breaking off these chunk plays or getting in space, um, it's a lot more worrisome. There hasn't been as much space for him as the lead back. So uh, he's a little bit, you know, heading into free agency, in my opinion, somebody will still probably, you know, pay him heftily for his services. And I hope they do. Um, yeah. And I hope he ends up, and I hope he ends up in a good situation for himself too. Yeah. He needs to end up in a situation sort of like San Francisco, Look at look at the guys they have running the ball for them right now, and, and just how you know open their running lanes are, and how, how they can hit the line at full speed. So we're going to see Tevin, you know, I think pick a pretty good spot. Uh, well, that's, actually, that's actually really interesting too, because he also has the history with Shanahan when he was there in Atlanta. I, I don't think he actually ends up there because they did just sign McKinnon. Breed is playing really well. This uh, new rookie they pretty much signed off the street. Jeff he is Wilson. playing well, Jeffrey Wilson. Um, and even Raheem Mostert was, you know, breaking off chunk plays. So I don't think the 49ers are going to spend uh, a lot of capital at the running back because how well they've done, you know, without it. That's just my opinion. But, 
he, he's got to look this season and find something like Shanahan or a team with a great offensive line that's going to let him, you know, get going. Because, you know, once Tevin Coleman hits that, you know, gear, he, he can fly with the best of them at the running back position. He just needs, you know, that head of steam in front of him. Uh, sort of bringing it back to this game. Um, let me give you a guy. Let me give you the guy. Austin Hooper. You know, he, he got in the end zone. Uh, he, he, you know, you look at, uh, I look at, I look at the Packers as a defense and, um, you know, with, uh, you know, Clay Matthews and stuff, they like to, they like to try to pressure the quarterback and get up field. And I think that this could be one of those situations where, uh, Hooper is, uh, in line potentially to get another touchdown. Uh, we see how much that, uh, Matt Ryan trusts them when they're in the red zone. And, you know, he's a guy who has been heavily targeted, you know, uh, three times this year has had double-digit targets, uh, uh, you know, granted over the last two weeks at uh, New Orleans and then against Baltimore, he only had five targets in each. Uh, but he also does have uh, four touchdowns scored on the year as well. Yeah, Hooper's, you know, middling but pretty good. Uh, you could do worse at the tight end position. You know, his best attribute this season has been catch percentage. He's got 60 of 73 targets on the year. Um, you know, each of the last two games, he's got all five of those targets. Um, I do think, you know, he's got a little bit there, but his upside is, you know, sort of capped. Um, and, and you'd much rather have him in a PPR league than a standard. Um, but, you know, other than that, Calvin Ridley, um, who didn't do all that much last week, it seemed like he had a couple of those just missed plays as well. Um, but even over the last five weeks, uh, you know, he's been a top 30 receiver in the standard leagues, uh, got it going against New Orleans. And, uh, you know, I think this game could provide a lot of fantasy points. There, there are two teams with, you know, not great records, but, you know, these are two offenses that know how to move the ball. And I do think you know, Green Bay is going to be a little bit better or revitalized because, you know, after a while, you know, with one coach, teams just get a little stagnant. They just need to see something different. Well, let's be honest, too. Aaron Rodgers, let's flip it over there. Aaron Rodgers did not like Matt, Mike McCarthy. Yeah, apparently he was changing almost every single play that McCarthy was calling in. Um, and and if, if Rodgers wants to make the statement, this would be the game to do it. Uh, you're going up against an Atlanta Falcons team that allows the second most fantasy points to quarterbacks, the uh, third most fantasy points to running backs, and the eighth most fantasy points to wide receivers. So... That to me says, I'm loving myself some Devontae Parker. I'm loving myself, uh, Devontae Parker, Devontae Adams. <laughs> I'm loving myself some Aaron Rodgers, and I'm loving myself some Aaron Jones. Uh, as far as, you know, the other auxiliary types of guys, uh, against tight ends, uh, they, they are actually middle of the road, uh, uh, giving up 7.1 points per game. And Jimmy Graham, maybe he's more of the interesting conversation because the other guys you're definitely going to start. But, um I don't know how, you know, do you trust him? Do I trust who? Jimmy Graham? You fucking yeah. kidding me? <laughs> no, no, you can't. 
there's no shot you're trusting uh, him at this point. Um, you know, looking at the weapons, Devontae Adams is absolutely stone cold locked into your goddamn lineups. In PPR leagues, his low game this season is 16 fantasy points. Um, think about how good that is. Um, uh, you know, these other guys, you know, Marquez Valdez Scantling, seven targets last week, but only hauled in, you know, two or three, wasn't really able to get it going at, at a high rate. And, you know, they're, they're just not connecting. Uh, Randall Cobb washed now. I think they can't wait to be out of that you know, situation. And, you know, we talk about this decline of the Packers. One thing they just don't do anymore is really throw the ball over the middle of the field. And when Randall Cobb was at his best, that's when he was succeeding. It just, you know, hasn't happened as of late. Um, you know, the rest of the depth chart with the Quantumist, St. Brown, um, you know, Jake Kumaro, who they're using a, a little bit, uh, came back off what IR last week. Um, it, it's just not great. Uh, they, they did do one thing well, like they realized they needed team speed, especially at the wide receiver position. They acquired it in Marquez Valdez, Cantling, and uh, St. Brown. So I do think, you know, for the future, that's going to work out well. But the guys who usually take the longest to develop at the NFL level are the size speed freaks. They need to learn the nuances of the game. Um, and they also, you know, they also, they also got to learn how to run precise patterns. Yeah, especially for a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Um, so, you know, that's something that's going to take time to develop, but under a new coaching staff, it's going to work out. But, you know, without a new coaching staff, I'm locking in Devontae Adams. I'm locking in Aaron Jones, of course, who, you know, played just as many snaps last week as Jamal Williams for reasons unbeknownst to me. Did you see? Um, and, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a five option going up against the Atlanta Falcons because, you know, you talked about him going scorched earth. I think there's a decent that happens all right well we're gonna go ahead and uh before we get to the next game which will be the carolina panthers and the cleveland browns uh let's go ahead and listen to this so we have the struggling carolina panthers coming off of a loss at tampa bay heading to cleveland who had a tough loss at houston a a team that's been on a roll um so you know, we've seen kind of with uh, well, Cam Newton. What what about a horrible game he had against the uh, <laughs> against Tampa Bay? Was it through four interceptions? Um, needs to bounce back. We know that you got a, a dynamite stud in Christian McCaffrey. Uh, the the thing that we have also seen is uh, the emergence of the young receivers, whether it be rookie DJ Moore uh, who has stepped up, uh, but also as of late. Curtis Samuel, and what we're also seeing is Devin Funches not be nearly as effective as he was earlier in the season. So with this matchup against the Browns, uh, you know, a defense that, you know, while they've had their moments, they give up a lot of yards uh, per game as well. 
And so there's usually some big plays to be had. So uh, for, for me, if, as I look at this on the outside, I, I'll, I'll again bet on a Cam Newton to bounce back from a bad week. Uh, I look at McCaffrey is always, as you said, locked in. I mean, I don't know what else you need to say about him. Uh, I like a DJ Moore uh, th- uh, this week, and, and I would play him. And Curtis Samuel is one of those guys, you know, again, he's on the waiver wire in a ton of leagues, and he got 11 targets last week. You know, and if he's going to become uh, more of that type of a guy and is not as, you know, actually using him as a receiver and not being as gimmicky, wow, that really kind of opens things up where, where he has that potential because he's got dynamite speed and is an amazing open field runner. Uh, so I like him as a, a deeper league flex play this week as well. Yeah. Even though Cam Newton had a down game last week against Tampa Bay, he completed 68% of his passes, threw for 300 yards, had two touchdowns, um, passing, and rushed for an additional 33 yards on the ground. Cam has had at least two passing touchdowns in every single game this season except for week one. Um, His floor was basically week 10 against Pittsburgh, where he scored 14.7 fantasy points. Last week we saw 15.3 if you're using minus two for interceptions. Um, So the floor is 15 points. He hasn't had any of these 30 or 40-point fantasy games yet this year, but he has had games of 29, 27, and he's always going to mix in those 22s and 23s. So Cam Newton's locked into your lineup. I don't really care who he plays. Um, you know, against Cleveland, they allow a lot uh, of movement and up and down the field, as you mentioned, but they're, they're also struggling to get – pressure even though they blitz among the league's best uh at the the league's highest rate and you know they've got miles garrett and and all these athletes at the defensive line they really struggled to get pressure at times so you know when cam has time to find weapons uh which you know look more diverse than ever it, it should lead to good things as you mentioned so i'm liking cam a lot uh, McCaffrey absolutely locked in both the, you could lock him in as a running back or a receiver. If he was able to do that, um, you know, Samuel 11 targets, awesome performance last week needs to continue to develop, but he, I think you said it best Devin Funches between the injury and the sort of emergence of you know, DJ Moore has really taken a a couple steps back in the pecking order, but, you know, without Greg Olson, they're still going to need a red zone threat in the passing game because they don't really have one besides Devin Funches. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, I like him as a touchdown defendant flex option at the wide receiver position. Uh, DJ Moore, I, I like a little bit better than that. Uh, and Samuel, I do agree, is a you know, not awful flex play. But they could also establish the run with just Cam and Christian McCaffrey um, because the, the turnovers over the last four weeks, you know, Cam's got uh, one interception, one interception, one interception, and that four interception blow up. Turnovers who started to trend in the wrong direction. So maybe they, you know, 
go a little bit away from Riverboat Ron and get a little more conservative. Could be. And, uh, you know, you know, if you're also playing on, uh, you know, going against a, a rookie quarterback, right. And Baker Mayfield, uh, Mayfield coming off of uh, a great performance as far as yardage, he threw for 397 yards, uh, but only one touchdown with three interceptions. Um, you, you finally saw Jarvis Landry, uh, reemerge, uh, in this offense, as well as Antonio Callaway, who was a, a hot name earlier in the season. Um, you know, and along with that, we've kind of seen the disappearance, uh, of Duke Johnson, uh, as Nick Chubb has become pretty much the do everything back, you know, adding the yards as a receiver where, uh, what it's over the last uh, three weeks. I think he's had uh, like uh, 40, almost yeah, nearly 40 yards every single game as a receiver um, and catching all of his targets. So that's not something that I think you saw coming in. And, and I think that when you look at uh, this matchup, you know, yeah, Carolina uh, traditionally has been known as one of the tougher defenses, but uh, they're not re- relatively, relatively that defense anymore. They are good against running backs, though. They're top seven against running backs, only giving up 15.7 points. Uh, but look at what for, for Baker's side, they're giving up uh, nearly 20 points a game uh, to quarterbacks, and that's fifth most. So you, you couple that where they, they get killed by the tight end. Um, so this is also a game where, you know, look for Njoku to be a guy that probably makes some, some major hay uh, in this one and, and Baker could be a, a very nice start for you if you're uh, you know got hit, hit by injuries and are trying to uh, you know well actually he's not really on the waiver wire anywhere somebody owns him in every league yeah I pretty much agree with everything you said uh, Njoku I really like I, I'm still locked into Nick Chubb though there's you know no matter how tough the Panthers are against opposing running backs locking them into the lineup. Uh, but you hit the nail on the head with the rest of it. All right. Well, then let's go ahead and move to the first game of the afternoon games with the Denver Broncos heading out to San Francisco to face the 2-10 and 49ers led by Nick Mullins. But let's start, as always, with the visiting team. So we have the Broncos. You have Case Keenum who uh, has been a darling on my uh, waiver wireless, had a tantalizing matchup last week against the Bengals and and managed a mere 151 yards with a touchdown. Uh, You would expect that he should have another potentially good opportunity uh, against the 49ers. Um, But we also – it's one of those things where I I don't know how you you truly can trust – anyone in this offense other than Philip Lindsay to be consistent? Consistency is not their strength, but I, I do agree that it is a nice matchup. I did see one of the funniest things on Twitter. Uh, it was just in a comment section, but it was whack, which is wins above Case Keenum for a way to evaluate quarterback play. So I just wanted to bring that up. It's got a that's funny great. acronym. <laughs> um, yeah, that's whack, dude. That's whack. Um, you know, Case, a, a great matchup, but 
are the 49ers going to be able to get anything done against the Broncos who, you know, have 12 sacks out of Von Miller, 10 sacks out of the rookie Bradley Chubb. Uh, I just want to bring up Bradley Chubb having 10 sacks again, because for a rookie to have 10 sacks and get no fucking pub because of Derwin James, Darius Leonard, Denzel Ward, and Leighton Vander Ash is just insanity. Um, so props well, me, to him. Hope you- let me let me give him extra props. I have him in a uh, IDP league where I drafted him with one of my rookie picks this year. Him and Roquan Smith. I'm rebuilding my defense, and you know, even playing at the linebacker position, where if you're a sack type of an artist, he makes plays, and so he's been a, a you know not a top scorer as far as uh, linebackers go in fantasy, but you can see that it's not going to be far off where. My God, and especially if they didn't have Von Miller taking away all the other sacks on the other side, right? Uh, he could have 13 or 14. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Case Keenum, I, I don't really see a huge game. I see another 252-1, which is your favorite case to be thrown around. I think Lindsay's going to get a ton of touches. Um, you know, they're starting to use even more as the season progresses. Um, you know, they're realizing he's the best guy in the backfield, and it's really helping them get victories as of late. You know, they're starting to storm. They're 6-6, six and six, but in, in the AFC, where it's a little bit more wide open for that second wild card spot, they're in contention, you know. Um, Emmanuel Sanders... You know, usually does very well against the NFC where he, he's aiming for his fourth in a row with 100 receiving yards and a touchdown catch. They haven't seen him very much. Uh, Cortland Sutton last week had, what, 10 targets, uh, caught 80 and a touchdown. Um, he's playing well. But, you know, other than that, you're not looking at anybody. Matt Lacoste. Uh, a guy who we thought could pick up and have some success because of you know how they've been using their tight end position. He just wasn't heavily targeted. I could see him getting a little bit more action here against the 49ers. But the, the Broncos may just play this one close to the vest, which scares me off of Sanders and it scares me off of you know Sutton a little bit too. Well, if you want to have the upside for Sutton or, you know, or Sanders, you know, it's, it's the shots down the field. So, you know, last week they, the 49ers did a good job of, of pretty much holding Russell Wilson in check, you know, as far as yardage, only throw for 185, even though he threw four touchdowns. Uh, but the, the upside for those guys is that they gave up, uh, they completed two passes of 45 yards or more uh, against that San Francisco defense. So some of those big plays were there. Uh, you know, so maybe that's your hope that one of those comes through for them. Yeah. Um, let's flip over to the other side. Let's look at the 49ers. Uh, Nick Mullins set a career high in pass yards and completions last week, playing a lot of catch up uh, against Seattle. Uh, he's thrown for 250 yards in three of his four career starts. Um if the Broncos are able to get up early, I don't worry about him being able to put up, you know, points in terms of yardage. Uh, I do worry about him being able to throw a lot of touchdowns. Um, George Kittle heavily involved uh, yet again, didn't get it completely going uh, last week. He, he's been a little bit underwhelming. 
he was still Shoot. targeted nine. He was still targeted nine times. He caught six for seventy. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're just not seeing the you know the huge dynamic uh, hits, but at the same yeah. time, you know that was Dante Pettis. Dante Pettis was the guy who hit those last week. Uh, he caught five for one twenty nine and two. Caught a big game. A Bainer big game touchdown over the middle uh, on a post route. Uh, he's good. You know, before the catch, after the catch, the guy's good with a little bit more refinement and, you know, with an off season in the NFL, you know, work program, workout program. I'm excited to see what he is going forward. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but th- this is where I think it's interesting with Pettis because, you know, he he's had to develop into this, right? And it took a couple guys getting hurt and, and, you know, Goodwin out for whatever reason that he's out. But he has now emerged. And as other guys start to emerge, and, you know, I think he can be trusted more than, like, Goodwin because I think he can do more things with his size than, than Goodwin can just with his speed. And obviously he showed that he still has speed on top of that. When you get a guy who emerges like that, it's going to take targets away from Kittle where they're not just – okay, this is the only guy I can trust, so I'm going to pepper him with, with 14, 15 targets in a game. Yeah, I, I agree uh, that it is taking a little a, a little away from Kittle, uh, nibble away from Kittle, Kittle, Kittle and Bits, um, some shit like that. Nibbling, um, nibbling, at his, nibbling at his Kittles and Bits. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was looking for. Um Let's flip over to the running back position where Jeff uh, Jeff Wilson Jr., uh, a rookie, is primed to see a pretty good workload against the Broncos. They're probably going to mix in Alfred Morris. Um, you know, Matt Breida already being ruled out takes away another top 18 running back option. You look at the top 20 running backs right now, five of them have been ruled out in the last you know, week, week and a half due to injuries or suspensions or commissioner's exempt lists. So it's going to be an interesting week where there are some of these uh, unheralded guys being used in fantasy lineups. And Jeff Wilson yep. Jr. is one, one of them. He had 73 run, uh, receiving yards last week, 61 receiving yards, eight catches last week. Um, he's one of three running backs with eight, ca- uh, three rookie running backs with eight catches in a game this season. Um, you know, I, I, I think he's going to be the change of pace, speed, Tevin Coleman receiver type go back while they ask Alfred Morris to be the in between the tackles grinder. Um, Wilson's probably going to end up as a flex play for me. Uh, Morris probably out of contention. Yeah, and the other good news that you have if you uh, want to buy into the Jeff Wilson thing is that Shanahan said that you know whether Brito was going to be out or not, uh, based on his performance, he had earned himself more playing time going forward. So uh, this has an opportunity, you know, and, and when guys get presented with it, some some step up to the challenge and and others shy away. Uh, he has a great opportunity here to, to step it up and make a claim. Uh, to be more, especially to be able to do it against, uh, you know, at least uh, by reputation, uh, good defense in the Broncos. Yeah, let's move on to the next one. On to the next one. We've got the Bengals at the Chargers. Uh, 
Bengals, who got off to a hot start of the season, slowed down considerably since now starting, you know, Jeff Driscoll, at quarterback. No A.J. Green, who goes on IR with the foot injury, and he's going to have a long rehab back. Um, No, Driscoll, okay, not great, not awful. Uh, Provides a little bit as as a runner. And early in that game, it was opening up some nice holes for Joe Mixon. The issue with the Bengals is... They just go away from the run game. Um, and you know, I think Joe Mixon had, you know, 50 or 60 yards through the first quarter, quarter and a half, and they just completely went away from it against Denver, even though they lost the game at, at the end of it, 24 to 10. Uh, so I think the Bengals are going to be another one of these teams that's in for a big retool this offseason. Maybe finally with the firing of Marvin Lewis, if Green Bay can do it, maybe you can too. Yeah, I think they should. And and this is one of those teams that that outside of Joe Mixon, I don't think that there's really anybody that you can, you know, maybe maybe Tyler, Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd is the other guy you can trust. But outside of that, think about it. You're going against a Chargers defense that's got Joey Bosa back uh, that that has uh, Darius uh, Derwin James. Um, they've been, they're, they're a very tough defense and they've getting better and better as everyone's finally getting healthy on that side of the ball. Um, I guess the one thing that you can hope for for your Tyler Boyd fans is that, and again, this is probably where it's going to work again out of Joe Mixon's favor. He'll probably have again, another strong start. Then they're going to find themselves falling behind the chargers and then leaning on the pass. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's where Boyd's going to hope to get more of that garbage yard towards a uh, late third, early in, in, into the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, you know, John Ross, he's been catching some touchdowns. Cord did catch a big, uh, touchdown catch for 30 yards last week. Um, Giovanni Bernard really hasn't been, you know, very much involved, uh, you know, as of late, they don't use the running backs enough in the past game, and that's just something that has to change. You know, knowing Joe Mixon's profile as a, you know, elite uh, receiving back, it, it's sort of criminal how unoften, not often, he is used uh, as a pass catcher. Yep. Uh, what's, what's, right. what's all I got, bro? What's that? That's all I got for the Bengals. Oh yeah, okay. I'm I'm ready to move on to the Chargers. So you know, so the Chargers here again. You're going to be most likely without uh, Gordon, uh, who's still going to be dealing with the injury. We saw Justin Jackson step in and uh, and provides a, a nice little punch. Got a touchdown. Uh, gained a. Uh, a was it uh, 63 yards on eight carries, much more effective than Austin Eckler, uh, who only gained 21 yards on 13 carries. Uh, Eckler's still more active as a receiver, but was kind of held in check last week. Uh, Jackson had one catch for 19 yards. The other issue is here, we, we Phillip Rivers, uh, he, he, effective as all get out, he, uh, throws for 299 yards and two touchdowns. But that's kind of been his thing. He's He threw for three touchdowns the week before. He's basically giving you at least two touchdowns in every single game. Uh, he's had three games with uh, – four games with three touchdowns. Uh, has not thrown an uh, interception in the last two weeks. Um, but, you know, 
giving you a lot of games in the 200 yard range. Should we expect him to be in this matchup uh, over the 300 yard, closer to 400 yards against this defense and especially without Melvin Gordon? I don't know. I I think, you know, 280 to 320 yards is well within his range of outcomes. Expecting much more than that when the Chargers defense should be able to handle the Bengals offense uh, and when their running back should be able to do enough to gain yardage. Um, I I don't know if you're going to get an uber elite performance out of, you know, Rivers, but what I really care about from the quarterback position is efficiency, um, and there's no, there's very few quarterbacks who are more efficient than Philip Rivers right now. With Patrick Mahomes, you know, going up against a vaunted uh, Baltimore Ravens defense, I actually have Rivers as my number one quarterback for the week. Um, let's see if Wheeler, Wheeler's got him at six. So you're you're locking in Rivers to your lineup. Um, you know, can, can, can we count? I, don't know if you see- I was going to ask you, can we count on another uh, near 20 targets for Keenan Allen? <laughs> no, I don't think the Bengals are going to spend all game long covering Keenan Allen with linebackers, but I don't know. Maybe that's just me being hopeful because that's something I would do. Um, yeah, but you know, Eckler. I don't know if he gets 13 carries again this week. I think those carries are going to go more towards the way of Justin Jackson, who's been more effective. And, you know, noticing the way that they like to run with Melvin Gordon, get him out on the edges uh, on either zone stretch or toss plays. Justin Jackson, you know, we saw last week that he, that, 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 that's his skill set. It fits him well to get him out on the edges and let him work because he's got speed to burn. Uh, and when he can get to full speed, uh, you know, it makes defenders look silly. So I do think they are going to you know, move some of the carries towards Justin Jackson. Eckler still very involved, probably going to see a small uptick in carries. He's going to be in the RB2 range. Um you know, Justin Jackson may be flex worthy depending on who your other options are. Um, Keenan Allen locked into your lineups. Uh, the the guys on the outside, the Williams brothers, they weren't very active last week. Uh, you know, Will, Mike Williams has been the more uh, effective over the last two weeks with Tyrell, you know, playing limited snaps, uh, not not really at full speed yet. Uh, and, and I, he's not somebody I could, you know, vouch for playing this week. So I'd probably lean to Mike over Tyrell. Uh, but I do think Tyrell's going to be the guy that they're trying to get healthy for a playoff stretch run, um, you know, along with Melvin Gordon and other pieces. Yeah, well, they need him as the field stretcher. And that, that's just the problem with those other guys. It's really kind of a crapshoot because it's like, who's going to get the touchdown this week? And last week it was Travis Benjamin out of, out of those guys. So um, you're also just not seeing those guys be able to pull the dominant 100-yard games either. So, you know, it's – it's Phillip Rivers is, 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 as you said, he's efficient and he spreads the ball around. Uh, you know, I think we should – practice that efficiency and with that we're gonna we're gonna take a break here and have a word from our sponsors before we get to the next game 
So we got the Detroit Lions at the Arizona Cardinals in a game that uh, pretty much not too many people want to see. Um, <laughs> uh, Stafford uh, head, heading into this one, I guess we'll start with the Lions. Um, you know, he uh, – it's not been pretty. Here, can uh, I make it easy for you? You're not starting Matthew Stafford against okay, Arizona. That made it easy. <laughs> Go ahead. Why don't you just take this game? Because I there's not much that I like. What I did like about Arizona is now gone for the year with Christian Kirk. Carry uh, on Johnson is a guy that I, I want to see back on the field. And if he's not, then I don't really care to, to, to watch anyone except for Kenny Galladay on the Detroit lions and David Johnson. Uh, oh my God. Like when I, when I need you so bad, uh, you let chase Edmonds get the two touchdowns. So you talk about this game. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when you talked about the one highlight of the Lions right now, that is Kenny Galladay, who over the last four weeks uh, is up there with the uber elites of fantasy football at the wide receiver position in terms of air yards. The only guys with more air yards than Kenny Galladay are Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, Devontae Adams, and Odell Beckham Jr., um, Galladay is playing so well right now um, that even though he's likely to get pat, uh, matched up with Patrick Peterson, you have to like uh, his ability to make some plays. They're moving him around, putting him on the slot, um, which should give him enough opportunities to get away from Patrick Peterson. So Galladay locked in, uh, looking at the other weapons, you know, are, if you're going to be stuck with LeGarrette Blunt again, you know, Arizona hasn't been a good run defense on the year. Um, so maybe there's an opportunity for him to find a touchdown. They've been a little bit better over the last five weeks, but they're still allowing the eighth most fantasy points to opposing running backs over that stretch. So I could see, you know, Blunt and Riddick combining to have, you know, some production, but, you know, Stafford, um, you know, with how they're running the offense and how he looks off without Marvin Jones and Golden Tate, you're not lining him up there um, at your QB spot. And, and that's basically it for the Lions. Flipping over to the other side, you know, David Johnson, um, the, the Lions have been better against the run after being gashed early in the season. You know, ever since acquiring Snacks Harrison, they've been better. Um, they're just bad on the offensive line. Um, so your only real two plays for the Arizona Cardinals are, are David Johnson, who, you know, should be able to not get vultured twice. Actually, three times, because they called the first one back on Chase Edmonds' first touchdown. Uh, where he landed right. just short and didn't put David Johnson in for that one. And then also Edmonds broke a big one later. So uh, I, I doubt he's getting vultured again like that, but they may want to see what they have in this kid for depth purposes going forward. And this is pretty much a sunk cost season for the Arizona Cardinals. But, you know, David Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, you know, Larry came close uh, last week and, you know, made some sort of outstanding catches. But, you know, we talked about it, you know, in weeks previous that he was really being buoyed by the touchdowns. 
and when he didn't get one last week, he ends up with three for 48. Um, and he has just 100-yard game this season. And besides that game, his high is seven for 76. Uh, he, Larry's a, a tough play for me uh, because I, I'm a guy who really counts on volume, you know. Maybe he Absolutely. sees more of it with Kirk Bell. Maybe, maybe. All right, well, let's go ahead and let's move on beyond that trash heap. And we have the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the trash heap of the Oakland Raiders. Uh, the Steelers uh, coming in, hobbling into this game uh, off of a bad loss to the Los Angeles Chargers. They will also be without the services of James Conner for this week, uh, who's dealing with uh, an ankle injury. Uh, so you have what's a the- lower leg contusion. Con- that's not good. No, no, that's what Mike Tomlin was saying. It's a lower leg contusion. It's like anybody who watched that knew that James Conner either had an ankle sprain or a high ankle sprain. But you can call it a contusion all you want, bro. Yeah, he's he's probably going to miss. I'm I'm saying he probably be out until about the playoffs is what it probably might look like. I don't know about that long, two, three weeks, maybe a month, but then you're talking the playoffs. That's what I'm saying. So, and the problem is that you lose them for the fantasy playoffs. And so now you're going to get uh, inserted into place. Uh, you'll have Jalen Samuels and a Steven Ridley. And I think you yeah. all know that uh, of those two, I, you're not going to be gravitating towards Steven Ridley. Okay. Here's the thing with Jalen Samuels. He is – he doesn't have a ton of rushing, you know, opportunities in his career. Um, we'll say, you know, even dating back to college, he was more of an H back hybrid tight end, move tight end um, at, at NC State, where he was a much more prolific pass catcher than he was a. Uh, you know, a runner, even though he, so in his final year at North Carolina state, he rushed 78 times for 407 yards, but did score 12 touchdowns and had 28 rushing touchdowns in his career and 19 receiving touchdowns. Um, so it's just like, are, are they going to give Jalen Samuels 20 carries, even though they really haven't been doing that with James Conner? that much all of late or is it going to be hey hey you're the pass catcher Ridley's the runner Ridley might be the guy and then which which of the two of them gets um work in the red zone because you know Ridley's been a guy who can fall into the red zone before in his career um so well it's sort of like I don't love going out here but thing about Jalen's Samuels is depending on what format you play on, he has multi position versatility. As on Yahoo, you can play him as a tight end. And if you could play Jalen Samuels as a tight end and you just lost Greg Olson, lock that up, dude. Like, there's, I mean, if I had to rank uh, Samuels as a tight end, I think I'd rank him. Let's see. Let's see here. Uh, he'd be ranked tight end five. 
Like, it's pretty yeah, good. Tight end five. Tight end five. So, you, you know, know, the thought Travis Kelsey, is- Zach Hurts, Kittle, and Gronk. They're the only guys that rank ahead of him. Well, and the thing about this, too, when you're talking about, like, for Ridley, uh, I look at it this way. Who's going to get the opportunities in the red zone? If it's a drive where you got down there uh, to the goal line uh, on the whole drive by passing the ball, uh, at that point, then I think you're going to go to Ridley, right, as the game starts. But if the game starts, you you give the ball to Jalen Samuels, and he has a hot hand early, uh, you know, and he's one of those guys that, like, really contributes to you getting down to that goal line. I think then you give the guy a chance and you, and you say, Hey, we're going to trust you, you know, to hold on to the ball and to do the thing, you know, uh, and in that case, then I, I think it could be bit to a benefit for him. I think the there's not as much upside on the Ridley side. You just, unless Samuels falls on his face. Yeah. The upside definitely is in Samuel's corner. Um, but you know, Ridley has a proven track record with a week of practice. You know, he could be the guy when late in the season when they're sitting guys and he's the number one back. He's had some, you know, pretty nice fantasy performances with the Steelers as a backup. So I don't think you can completely write him off. But if you're on the waiver wire and you're selecting your order, I'm definitely going Samuels first. There you go. Now, obviously, we're going to be starting Antonio Brown and Juju Smith. Uh, is, is there anybody ancillary on the outside that, because they're going against the Raiders, uh, that maybe has a chance to to shine? You know, is this a, a Vance McDonald type of a week? Or uh, it should be. Or, yeah, it should be. You know, over the last five weeks, Vance has the tenth most fantasy points among tight ends, playing in you know five games. Uh, with two touchdowns during that span, but you know, his high during that time has been just 44 yards. He does have 112 yards earlier this season against Tampa Bay. Um, Oakland's been notoriously beaten up by tight ends, and, and you know, this season they are allowing uh, the most fantasy points uh, against the tight ends. So I could definitely see playing Vance McDonald, you know, if you had to replace a guy like Olsen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and flip it over to the other side and let's, let's start at that tight end position that you were just talking about, because if there's a guy that I want to start at tight end, uh, Jared cook, if you didn't, uh, you know, hit on one of the big guys uh, in your draft, but you're able to, to, to score him. He's really been helping out your, your fantasy production as of late. Uh, last week he had seven catches for a hundred yards. Uh, that was his third hundred yard game on the season. Uh, but more importantly for fantasy production, he scored a touchdown and he uh, has now scored a touchdown in each of his last three games has six touchdowns on the season. Uh, you know, you got this matchup here with the, uh, with the Steelers um, where tight ends for uh, the Steelers, uh, you know, we are looking at, just uh, on the downside of the middle of the road, giving up 8.4 points per game uh, to tight ends. So, again, who, who's the only threat besides uh, Jared Cook uh, that uh, that you worry about in this uh, passing game? Is it Jordy Nelson, you know, coming off of a nice game with uh, 10 catches for 97? But they're both I, I even think that at this point in their uh, where they are in their careers, Jared Cook is more of the field stretcher than Jordy Nelson is. Yeah, uh, I don't disagree. Marcel Aitman, young kid, had a nice 
you know, corner fade touchdown uh, last week. Um, you know, but in this one, you know, they're probably going to be able to have to put up some points like they did uh, against Kansas City last week. So I, I, do, I do see some use in Jordy Nelson mostly as a flex play. Jared Cook's the guy you want to start. Besides that, you know, you had the triumvirate of DeAndre Washington, Jalen Richard, and Doug Martin all fumbling last week. But Martin, you know, had a pretty effective game, uh, you know, found the end zone and, you know, did all right there. But, man, uh, if one of those guys could have just not fumbled, they would have kept it going. Richard caught a crap ton of passes as well. Um, and I, I think he's in line for, to catch a bunch more this week as well. Absolutely. All right. Uh, well, let's go ahead and go to a, the the last of the, the the highlighted game of the afternoon, the battle for the NFC e, uh, East. Yeah, I, I remember that's right, NFC East. We have the Philadelphia Eagles uh, at six and six at the seven and five Dallas Cowboys. Uh, always fun when the Eagles and Cowboys get together. You got Carson Wentz coming in after he just threw for 306 yards and two touchdowns uh, with an interception against the in-division Redskins on Monday Night Football. Uh, We have uh, Josh Adams, who's established himself as as the running back here. Uh, Zach Ertz has just been phenomenal. He's on the verge of having another 1,000-yard season. Uh, Earlier, I don't know if this is earlier than he's ever had it, but – already with 93 receptions on the year. Phenomenal. Um, so where do we think that this game is going to go? Uh, when these two teams meet, it's like it always in the past. I, I remember all these games when they both have had good offenses and going, man, this is going to be a fun one. And then it usually just ends up underwhelming as far as the fantasy production that comes out of these games. Yeah. Um so these two teams played a tight knit game last time and ended up twenty seven to twenty uh, earlier in November. Um, it was the start of the Philadelphia Eagles really skid, um, but you know Carson Wentz was able to put up points. Um, I'm not really concerned about anybody's ability to not put up points here. Um, I do think Josh Adams, you know, adding a lot. Um, that wasn't previously there. So, you know, I, I like the Eagles in this one. I, I think I think each side is going to be able to do, you know, more than we think. Uh, and I actually think this one's going to be pretty good. Um, you know, on the Eagles side, you talked about Carson Wentz's success. You know, Josh Adams had just seven for 47, but they really hadn't committed to him being, you know, a centerpiece of the offense. You know, this game gave him an idea to do so. Zach Ertz demolished for 14 catches, 145 yards, and two touchdowns on 16 targets. I think that's likely. Uh, It's going to be another nice game for him. You know, uh, Golden Tate was one of his first games there. Maybe even his first caught just two passes for 19 yards. He, He showed a lot more last week. Uh, Aguilar was able to make some field stretching plays. Alshon, 
you know, since Tate joined the team, he hasn't really been, you know, himself. Um, uh, and Tate's actually starting to pick up more of an air yardage share than he is, which is concerning for the long term, you know, rest of the season. So I think, you know, Alshon's a wide receiver three flex play. Tate probably in that same range. Um, probably not going to go to the well with Nelson Aguilar. But uh, willing to start Carson Wentz, definitely starting Zach Ertz and, and Josh Adams. And there's, you know, a pretty solid RB2. Yeah, and for me, if I'm going to any of those guys at receiver, I'll, I'll take the hot hand and I'll go with Golden Tate, you know, as a flex play. All right, uh, you want to flip over and run the the Cowboys for a minute? Sure. So you know, so we got with the the Dallas Cowboys. They're, they're coming in hot. Just had the uh, the huge win uh, over New Orleans, and uh, now they get to to, to stay there and uh, welcome uh, <clears throat> interdivision rival and Dak Prescott. You know, since you've had the emergence of Amari Cooper, you know he's become a much more efficient passer. You know, in the beginning of the year, he had basically, it was like, what was it? Four games where he threw for under 200 yards. Uh, he has not thrown for under 200 yards since. Um, he, you know, finally is, is giving you some of the uh, touchdown production uh, as a, uh, as a passer, um, but still has not had more than two touchdown passes in any game. Uh, last week only threw one touchdown, uh, obviously they only scored 13 points, uh, but the previous three games, he has scored a rushing touchdown and he has scored a rushing touchdown in five of the previous, uh, six games leading up to that. So uh, that dimension that you get with, uh, with the Mari, uh, has also why it's, uh, helping the other guys around him. And one of the guys who's been a main beneficiary that we're starting to see as of late as the, uh, uh, his, his confidence has grown has been Michael Gallup. Um, you know, and we're starting to see him get a heavier target share as Cooper is going to be drawing more of the extra coverage. Uh, Gallup is a guy that uh, has good ability and now going against number twos uh, is starting to find his way a little bit. And, and Dak is also showing more confidence in him. Uh, obviously, uh, you're, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, no matter what, is going to be locked into your lineup. Uh, the last time that these two teams met, uh, Zeke had himself quite a nice day. Had 19 carries for 151 yards with a touchdown. Also uh, caught six passes for 36 yards and scored another touchdown. Uh, So, you know, last week he was finally held under 100 yards rushing after having uh, three straight 100-plus yard rushing games in a row. Uh, So he's definitely locked into your lineup. Uh, And Amari Cooper at this point in time, uh, whether whether, uh, you're, you're on a, uh, a strong, super strong team. You got to be locked into into what he's doing for you too. Uh, the amount of uh, target share that he's getting in this offense. Uh, last week, Amari saw eight targets, uh, had the horrible fumble, uh, but uh, eight catches for seventy five yards. Uh, and and you could just see, you know, as we as we start looking back, eight targets, nine targets, five, ten, eight. He's heavily uh, utilized. And, he, and he's starting to show his worth and, you know, just need him to get in the end zone. But he's giving you a, a good PPR floor, especially uh, with getting at least around those seven to eight catches and 75 yards. You got anything else on this one, Stags? No, I think you put the uh, Cowboys pretty easily. I mean, it's it's Amari and it's, uh, 
Ezekiel Elliott and basically nobody else, you know, especially with Cole Beasley potentially having a foot sprain, foot injury, makes him even a little riskier than usual. All right. Well, before we get to the primetime matchups, let's go ahead and give one more listen to one of our sponsors. All right. Well, Sunday night football comes back to Chicago. Uh, the 11 and one Los Angeles Rams uh, come in to face the eight and four Chicago Bears. Uh, coming off of a crazy game that they lost in overtime to the New York Giants, uh, kind of squashed their chances of uh, uh, claiming a uh, bye in the playoffs. But this is a very much an impression game as far as what is uh, potentially to come as the, uh, the best team in the NFC rolls into town. Uh, the Rams uh, coming off of a game where they were playing against the uh, Detroit Lions, and that offense really kind of sputtered. So it's a very much going to be a tougher defense than they faced in Detroit. And it's not going to have the joys and comfort of, of being indoors uh, as they're going to be nighttime, cold, 20 degree weather is what they're calling for here in Chicago. How is that going to affect young Jared Goff and these uh, Southern California boys coming in from the sun of LA? I mean, it's not what they want. <laughs> I don't think it's what anybody on that offense wants, but uh, this is the second-best offense in terms of yardage right now. Um, They're putting up points in bunches, um, you know, nearly 35 points a game, uh, 440 yards, you know, Jared Goff, you know, just doing his thing yet again, even despite, you know, having a struggle – uh, against that Detroit defense last week is on pace for 5,000 yards, 36 touchdowns, and, you know, under 10 interceptions. So, you know, he's locked. He's, he's – I'm going to be it, – it's a tough evaluation because that offensive line has played so well against everyone that, um, you know, the Bears, they aren't getting a ton of pressure. But when they get pressure, they seem to take the ball away on, on a lot of those. So it's going to be it's going to be tough. It's going to be an interesting game. It's one of these strength versus strength games. Um, we don't see those you know too often in the NFL anymore. But we get to see two pretty good ones with the Rams against the Bears uh, and the Chiefs against the Baltimore Ravens. Um, you know the Bears. Uh, are allowing the fifth fewest fantasy points over the last five weeks. They're allowing the third fewest fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks, the ninth fewest to opposing running backs, uh, middling to opposing wide receivers. So Brandon Cooks, um, you know, and Robert Woods should be able to get it done. Um, Josh Reynolds is going to be a little bit more of a fringe flex player for me. And they're stifling against opposing tight ends. And, you know, how they use their tight ends anyways sort of crosses them off the board for me uh, with the Rams. But I, I think you're locking in the pass game, you know, uh, of Woods and Cooks. And, you know, right there on the fringe of QB1 is going to be Jared Goff for me. Let me see where we have him in ranks. 
uh, right now. So Wheeler's got Jared Goff as the 10th. I've got him as the 10th. So he's basically a fringe quarterback one uh, for us this week. Don't expect a giant explosion go, coming up against this Bears team. But, uh, you know, not no, enough no, but- to sit there. Right, right. And that's the other thing, too. So it's like you can look at it and go, okay, well, um, I'll look at it this way, too. The Bears in this NFL, they do a good job of limiting teams, right? But I think what it does more is really eliminate the ancillary guys more than uh, the main guys necessarily. I mean, look, Odell Beckham had a a decent game against them, Um, you know, maybe more throwing than catching, but it's still called the touchdown. And you have – you know, Saquon Barkley, who the Bears did a good job, you know, for most of the game, except for the big runs that he got. And those big runs gives him over 100 yards. And, you know, he just gets the job done. That's so that's kind of how I look at Todd Gurley. It's going to be kind of a war of attrition. It's not going to be one of these uh, Gurley scoring you 36 fantasy point games. Uh, but, you know, especially in the cold weather and, and uh, depending how things are going, you know, he, he may be the guy that benefits the most by getting more of the handles in the red zone if they decide to go that way. Yeah. Um, definitely locking in Gurley as well. Um, you know, let's flip over to the Bears side. The Bears should have Mitchell Trubisky back under center this week. They were definitely playing it safe, as we mentioned. Um you know, Chase Daniel was okay. He had, uh, you know, a, a couple of games of 25-plus completions and, you know, a touchdown or two. Um, Tariq Cohen went off the head last week, caught 12 passes uh, for 156 yards, had 186 scrimmage yards, threw a touchdown pass. He did, you know, everything. Um, it, it, you know, Cohen's locked in. Howard had one of his better games, but I, I'm not going to be counting on Howard uh, going up against Indomitian Sue and Aaron Donald. I think they're well, much me, more likely. But, it, but this is, I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Stags, but that's the other problem with Howard. Nagy does not commit to the run. You know, Howard yeah. had a great first half, as mentioned earlier, uh, 13 carries for uh, 63 yards, and then only got three carries the rest of the game. Yeah, um, you know, Allen Robinson caught five for 79. It was close on a couple others. Uh, you know, going up uh, against the Rams secondary, who've given up some big plays. I can see Allen Robinson making some impact. Um, choosing between, you know, Anthony Miller, who had a reception TD last week, and, and, you know, Taylor Gabriel, who's been more targeted, um, you know, consistently, um, is going to be tough. I, I don't, I'm not feeling great about starting either of them as flexes. Um, Allen Robinson's probably a wide receiver, you know, three or flex, you know, depending on your setup. Um, and then, uh, at tight end, you know, Trey Burton put up a stink egg, another goose egg, and Adam Shaheen basically was a touchdown vulture. So the Bears pieces, there's very few to feel locked in about but because they're, they're going to spread the ball out. Um, if Trubisky plays as we think, you know, you know, at home, 
um, with a lot of weapons around him, albeit none that are really locked in. He should have a pretty nice fantasy day. He's going to be a friendly QB one, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, and and the guy who I think if I'm picking between uh, Gabriel and uh, Miller – when uh, Trubisky's back, I, I'll put it more on Miller because uh, Trubisky and Gabriel just just didn't seem to have a, a good connection going about the two or three games leading into the injury. And, uh, you know, Miller and, and him just have seemed to have some a little bit better chemistry. So um, the other thing that I'm really looking forward to watching this game is that you got the two uh, best defensive players uh, in football uh, going against each other. Uh, and uh, so no matter who's on the field, you get to watch either Khalil Mack uh, and, uh, or, uh, or uh, Donald on the other side of the ball. That's going to be exciting to watch. Yeah. Um, let's flip to this next game, Monday night. We have the Minnesota Vikings uh, against the Seattle Seahawks who are battling for positioning and for, you know, a wild card spot in the NFC where it's, going to be a tight race um you know and the loser here is gonna be in a dead heat you know depending on what happens in that dallas philadelphia game uh you look at minnesota you know stefan diggs came into the game injured um he doesn't play as well his knee had swollen up uh it wasn't that great for him um but then, you know, Kirk Cousins had an underwhelming game. They were able to get a bunch of pressure. The Seahawks, you know, allowed a career-high passing yardage to Nick Mullins despite, you know, pulling out a victory 43-16. to um, With the Vikings, I, I don't see this being a runaway on either side. I think it's going to be one of the better games to watch. Um, Kirk Cousins... You know, I, I, he he hasn't played all that great uh, against Seattle in his career. And, you know, you look at Kirk Cousins' numbers against, you know, teams with winning records or teams that end the season with winning, with winning records. And, and it's not illustrious, but I think on the Vikings side, you're locked in to um, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs. Other than that, I, I don't think you could really rely on Kyle Rudolph. Um, it's just been way too inconsistent for me to, you know, be in love with Rudolph. Uh, I don't know if you have different feelings on that one. Well, no. Uh, I, even though we're at that time of the year, the Rudolph red-nosed reindeer, I'm, I'm, I'm not buying on it right now. Uh, I'm glad I finally am seeing the the Dalvin Cook that I that I was expecting to see for most of the season, but you know you know, coming back from injury and everything when he's finally healthy. Wow. He is, he's a difference maker. Um, I'll agree with you here when it comes to Kirk cousins. I mean, I posed it earlier when I was talking about that. I have the decision between him and luck. And, and the problem is, is that when I see him on these primetime matchups against decent defenses and especially being on the road, it's just, it's, it's not the same. And going into Seattle, which is a tough environment to play. You know, those fans are going to be going crazy. Um, I just see uh, some mistakes and I just see it not being a, a very good flow type of a game for him. Uh, but again, I'm with you that I'm locked in on Thielen and Diggs um, and, and, and cook, but uh, 
Yeah, Kirk has got me a little bit uh, worried uh, as uh, as is coming down the stretch. Guy who was dominant and surprised uh, for the first five, six, seven weeks of the year, uh, and really propelled teams to get to the playoffs. But uh, you may, depending on what you got on your on your bench, you you may want to look another direction. Should we move to Seattle? Yeah, Seattle has Russell Wilson, who threw four touchdowns last week. Um, Russell's been playing great, man. They're hitting deep shots and everything along that line, but the passing volume just is absolutely non-existent. Um, it's been it's been weird for Russell Wilson. Uh, he, he's the number four quarterback over the last five weeks, doing it on 144 attempts, um, but and throwing you know. Let's look at his stats in those games. Uh, against the Rams, 176-3. and three. Uh, Against Green Bay, 225-2. and two. Um, uh, Against Carolina, 339-2. and two. Uh, And against San Francisco, 185-4. and four. Like, he's been great, uh, you know, ever since that game against Arizona in week four where he scored just nine fantasy points. Um, and the touchdowns, you know, he's got two in every game except for the Arizona game. So he's throwing touchdowns. The yardage hasn't been there. So if you, you have a league where you get, you know, crazy bonuses, maybe he's not, you know, the best guy with those touchdowns and the efficiency is there. Um, it, yeah, you know, Russell's, Russell's good no matter if this team is ground and pound or air it out. Yeah, you know, again, I agree with you. The the problem is just that if you're in those heavy yardage leagues, you got to have those touchdowns because he's just not giving you that volume there, which is why, you know, outside of Tyler Lockett, the guy who just seems to be locked into scoring touchdowns and has the magnet uh, that, that used to be Doug Baldwin's, right? Um, although Doug Baldwin, because you throw four, of course he had a touchdown, but Lockett's the one that you trust, right? Uh, all the other guys on that team, you can't. And... uh you know, you're, you're, you're still kind of throwing a, you know, caution to the wind at the running back situation though. you got Chris Carson and, and he's been, you know, getting it done, uh, has a, a rushing touchdown in two of his past three, uh, Rashad Penny does not do anything as a receiver, but he, what he had eight carries last week for 65 yards and a touchdown. Uh, so finally kind of paid off there, but again, he's so ancillary that unless you're in a super deep league, you know, he's not someone that you're starting. So, for me, I, I can play the Russell Wilson, although it's like, again, if I'm in those yardage leagues, I, I cringe. I'll start Lockett, and I'll start Carson. No, I agree with you. Um, Lockett, though, crazy. Nine nine touchdown receptions on just 56 targets. Um, we talk about unsustainable numbers. That's another one. But he's throwing regression to the goddamn wind. Um, you know, Baldwin, you know, it's averaging five targets a game on the season. Um, I, I could see him having some success in the slot uh, against Minnesota with, you know, maybe Xavier Rhodes or Trey Waynes on Lockett, uh, you know, leaving maybe the best matchup to Baldwin. So I think Baldwin's, you know, in some flex consideration, a little bit sneaky, sneaky. Um, other than that, you know, at tight end, uh, you know, Nick Vanette uh, has been up and down and, you know, 
over the last four weeks, he his high in targets is just two. So he's not a guy you can rely upon. All right. Well, I think we did a good job rolling through all these games. You know, everybody, this was uh, week 14 and the start of your championship dream. You know, this is uh, this is where it, it all comes down. Now, at the same time, the last thing that you always got to do is pay attention on uh, the morning of and check those weather reports. Uh, just make sure that nothing nasty or crazy is, is rolling into any of these games that can uh, truly affect passing games, especially uh, anywhere we got winds of 20 mile an hour plus. Uh, that is uh, worrisome uh, for deep passing game and uh, receivers. Anything else you want to leave on this with, uh, Stags? No, good luck this week. Um, you know, if you didn't get the bye, you could still knock a team out. Maybe that was ahead of you in the ranks. It all comes down to this week. So let's make some uh, optimal decisions and make some money. All right. And uh, for the, the next two weeks of the playoffs, we will – uh, have all three of us on board. D-Rex will be back next week, not going to uh, some concert of some person that I've never heard of before. Um, and, uh, you know, but, hey, good times, good times. So until then, we'll see you next week. And uh, Valverde.